0: Good afternoon, good evening. I always have to say that because we have different time zones. We have seven continents in the world. So some people right now, it's midday. Some people are already asleep. Some are about to wake up. Some are just waking up. Seven continents, seven billion people, different time zones. Hence, I always have to say that. So for those of you that are just waking up, Good morning. For those of you that are during the day, the sun is shining, good afternoon. And for those about to sleep or close to late evening, good evening. This is still Atlanta Discuss. I'm still your host and moderator. My name is Ade Balogo. And today I've gone out of my way to bring another very special guest to you. Somebody you're gonna really enjoy talking about. At Atlanta Discuss, we are very big on what the diaspora contingent of every country can do to help their country of origin. And you know, we have a lot of soft support for the largest concentration of the country with the largest concentration of Black people in the world, which is Nigeria. So today we have brought you another very wonderful guest. I'm sure you're all good to enjoy listening to him. Listeners and viewers, kindly welcome Gabe Okoye to Atlanta Discuss. Gabe Okoye, welcome to Atlanta Discuss. Thank you.
1: I'm glad to be yes. here.
0: All right. I'm sure our viewers are very excited to have you. Well, let me just let you know, I'm sure a lot of you know who Gabe is, but Gabe Okoye is a Nigerian-American civil engineer, former chair, and current commissioner of planning in the Gwinnett County in Georgia State, United States. So on November 8, 2022, during that, the last midterm election, he was elected into Georgia State Assembly, and he was sworn in on January 9, 2003. So... Clearly, you have a better understanding as a state legislator, the a politician, is a Nigerian-American, It's a civil engineer, he's a very honest man, fantastic pedigree, and he fits the billing. So today, what I've really talking about, we've always said we're big on what the diaspora contingent can do to help their country of origin. We have seen the Indians do it in very measurable ways. You can see how their efforts are tilted towards helping their country. We have seen the Filipinos you know, do it in the maritime industry. All Filipino sailors pay about 30% of their income to their countries of origin. And we know that most African countries, their economies have not collapsed as of today. is based on diaspora remittances. But we need to know if the diaspora contingent is not doing well enough for their country, what are the obstacles, what can be done better. And most importantly, it doesn't matter which government is there, whether it's military, whether it's semi-civilian interim, every country has to move on. The world economy is shaky. But in this case, how can the Nigerian diaspora continue? That's why well, don't, don't the United States, the most powerful country in the world, help their country of origin. So once again, Gabo Koye, welcome to Atlanta to Discuss. Well, we always keep the ground running you know, after the brief intro and all that. So let's go for the juggling as always. Well, let me just say this. I have to congratulate your election. I've not done that officially. So Atlanta Discuss is congratulating you. You're doing very well. We're watching you Thank and uh, we're impressed. And I know it's just the beginning of greater things to come. So how has it been thus far? You know, after the election, to state assembly hasn't been. You know, what can you tell us? What you've been up to? What you're doing? What you're. You know, past, it has been crazy.
1: <laughs> it has been crazy. That's that's, <laughs> that's my intro to it. It has been so crazy. The thing is, over here, once you are elected into an office, people expect you to deliver. And you have to show that you are worth their vote. And being an immigrant, we have to even do much more so that we can keep earning the confidence of the voters. Uh, Because, you know, uh, sometimes people may be reluctant in the beginning, but once they see what you are made of, then you can convince them to keep voting because it's not about me. It's about the immigrant community, especially it's about the Nigerian immigrant community. Because if I don't do well, it will shut the door for others to come after me. But if I do well, it will keep the door wide open for others to walk through. So that is why, you know, you have to serve two or three communities. You serve the American community. And then you still, you can't forget because charity always begins at home. You can't forget where you come from. You can't forget your community. So uh, I still have to also serve the Nigerian community. And then I have to serve the African community at large. So when you look at it, the American-born politician serves the American community, period. But for those of us, you serve your American community Number one, you serve the Nigerian community and you serve the African community a lot. So sometimes, I'll tell you, on a certain Saturday, I attended 10 events in one day. Yes, 10 events in one day. The pattern is usually the Americans finish most often by 9 p.m. That's the latest you do an American event. But by 9 p.m., and Nigerian people are just uh, getting ready to get started, you know? So, and most of our African counterparts are getting ready to get started. So, you keep going nonstop until you are about to drop, and then you go home, all right? And then you still have to answer to your constituency. You get called by a constituent. You run to take care of the issues because here you don't get elected and then you just drink your beer and walk around. No, you don't do that. You have to perform. So it has been crazy. But I must tell you, I am not complaining because I signed up for it and nobody put a gun to my head when I put my signature on the dotted line. So I'm just explaining how it has been
0: not complaining about how it has been. Thank you. Fantastic. Uh, Quick one. Do you have any bills you are working on or you worked on or something? Yeah. Yes. You, I, you
1: know, for you to succeed in anything you are doing, you have to at least learn the trade, right? I mean, I have been a party chairman, but I have never been a legislator, okay? So in my first session, I... Didn't do much, but sit and observe and build relationships because they will come in handy when I'm ready to go. And I am ready to go because we're going into a special session come November 29th, but then in general, we're going to a regular session. But uh, right now I have a bill that I'm working on and that concerns the military veterans. Uh, Because these military veterans, they are the reason why we have the freedom we enjoy in this country. They put their lives on the line. Some of them lose their lives. But the unfortunate thing is that when they come back from wars, some of them end up on the streets, homeless and hungry. And I do not think that such should be happening in this great country called USA. And especially in this, our state too, a state that has about $11 billion in surpluses. So my bill is to create some sort of cooperative society with the military veterans. So we're going to put an initial huge lump of money into this one purse. And then from there, in groups of three to five, I mean, if somebody is a bricklayer, the other is an electrician, and the other is a welder, that's almost a building construction company right there. So you can give them a loan to start that company. Because I believe that people who go to war and are smart enough to come back home are smart enough to run their businesses. So you give them the loan, they start their businesses, and they will start paying back into that purse so that more veterans will be helped. So that way, hopefully we'll have none of them in the streets begging for food. That's an abomination, in my opinion. That's one bill. The other one is local. To Gwinnett County, where I live, taxes went up. I'm sure taxes went up everywhere in Georgia. Uh, Property taxes went up so high that the seniors have been crying to me uh, many of them are f- feeling like they're being taxed out of their homes. So what I'm trying to do is come up with a bill that will cap their taxes. So if you're a senior and you're retired, and of course, when you're a senior and you're retired, your income also it reduces drastically. Okay, So rather than have seniors lose their homes because of taxes, the taxes will be capped. It will never go up again. Instead, it will come down, but never go up. But whatever that cap is that you have been able to pay,
0: that's where you will remain for the remainder of your life. So
1: those are the two bills I'm working on
0: right now. Wow, interesting. I see you're very, very, very busy. I like that. And uh, I'm sure you're already planning it very well. You're you're clearly not going to let yourself down and you're not going to let Africa down. So keep up the good work and we're ready to support you in any way possible.
1: The only thing, if I may add, is because my party is in the minority, I'm take this bill to the uh, chamber, and the other party will just kill it. It will not even receive a hearing. That's the rule of the game. You just don't know what the other party will do, but I'm hopeful that they will see the value in the bills that I'm bringing. And they may see the value and decide to bring it forward and take my name off it and put One of theirs there. That's the power of the majority party that can do that. But I don't care about credit. I really don't care about credit. I would want them to take my name off if they want. But the veterans should be taken care of and the seniors
0: should be taken care of. That's what I care about. Wow, that's highly commendable. I like that. I like that so much. Georgia is popular. So, you know, maybe in the near future, with active participation of more black people, more immigrants, maybe in the future. Because I understand when Jimmy Carter was president, Georgia was very blue, so which was a long time ago. So it can still come back. It's closed now. Anyway, let's yeah, go to be. Nigeria. Let's go to Nigeria now. I mean, I know you're a member of Nigerian diaspora organization. You've done a lot, you know, in area of synergy, cohabitation and getting things done, bringing Nigerians together. Leveraging you know, on contact and network, I'm sure that your ability to get all those done is one reason why you're a state legislator now. Because everybody was behind you, you know. So Nigerians in diaspora do well individually. There's no doubt about that. You know, there's almost no country in the world from Tahiti, Papua New Guinea, New Caledonia. Island. I'm intentionally calling countries that are not even popular. You know, Latvia, Belarus, Estonia. There's always one, two, three, four, five Nigerians doing extraordinary things: medicine, science, even trading. You know, and for some reason, it does look like we do not do well collectively. Yes, there have been effort to come together. There always effort to come together, but for some reason, the synergy does not go for optimum positivity. Why do you think it's like that? Well, um, let me go back a little. Yes, I. He used to be
1: the chairman of Nigerians in Diaspora for the two continents of America. But it may be the one time where there was peace in Naidoo. We have to have peace within ourselves first to be able to function and to be able to work with each other. But I understand what you said about some other countries working together collectively and our inability to work together collectively. Now, you have to also look at the factors of tribes, religion. We seem to over amplify those factors in what we're doing. An example, if there's a Nigerian party, I say Nigeria as a whole, as a country, we're doing something to celebrate Nigeria. Even the independence the celebration. Just look at how many people show up for the country as a whole. Now, I can guarantee you that when my own little village is having a party, more people show up there than you see in the whole Nigeria. (laughs) That's just the truth. And that tells you a lot about Nigeria. All right. First of all, because of our uh, overemphasis on our ethnicity in Nigeria, and our religion, we find it hard to trust each other. And that is one of the things that make it difficult for us to work together. Plus, Nigeria, the country, is an orphan country. Nigeria is an orphan. And I say that because nobody, no group in Nigeria actually cares for the welfare of that country. On the contrary, every group looks for how to maximize what they can get out of Nigeria. None of them thinks of what they can put in. Check it. And when you are just taken and taken from a country, nobody caring for that country. It's abusing the abuse orphans get because nobody cares for the orphan. That is what is happening with Nigeria. It's an orphan country. We don't trust each other. And for that reason, we find it difficult to come together for a common goal. And that is what the problem has been. And I started with, with saying that even the organization that is supposed to bring us all together, we can't all fit into it. As large as it is, there's so much space where we still can't fit into it. And that's just a shame because we are smart people, very intelligent, very industrious, and we have been very successful. I mean, if you go to any hospital around here and you don't see a Nigerian doctor, run, it's probably not a hospital. You go to any university, and you don't see Nigerian professors, don't send your child there. Mm -hmm. It's probably not a great school. (laughs) Nigerians do great things in this country. If only, if only, we will learn from the country we live in. The example I give is myself. I am from Nigeria originally, and I was not born here. When I came here, they trusted me enough to elect me a party chairman. They trusted me enough to appoint me the first black person in the 200-year history of my county in the planning commission. They trusted me enough to elect me into the executive committee of the state party, where I actually rose to vice chair of the. Congressional district, the 7th Congressional District. Okay. And of course, they trusted me enough to elect me to the uh, General Assembly. Can you imagine? I can do all of this here, but I'm from Anambra State. If I move to neighboring Enugu, I will not contest for most of these positions. If I move to Nearby Delta, I will not contest for these positions. So, trust is what we lack because we have the frivolities. We have emphasized. That's what I think.
0: Wow! 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 That's very deep. You know, uh, you know, on Atlantic, there's usually a discussion. So we two we have an opinion. So sometimes we, you know, we really tell because uh, yes. I mean, I like what you just said, but. I mean, I've sat down with people that blame a lot of these things on colonialism. You understand? 63 years down the line, I mean, I don't think if you're a 63-year-old man, you can still be blaming maybe your parents, for example, for whatever aberration or lacunas has uncovered your life. You understand? But it does also look like we cannot exonerate colonialism in all entirety. Because based on what you said, for example, the tribe trust, religion. You know, one would expect that people that live in very developed societies like the United States will eschew tribe and, you know, religion and put square pegs in square holes, you understand? Use uh-huh. your best 11 you always say, yeah. So, but uh-huh. well, having said that, that's clearly not happening. So back to colonialism, do you think that... because? I fault that constitution. A lot of us fault the current Nigerian constitution because the first line says, we, the people of the Federal Republic of Nigeria, blah, blah, blah. We both agree that there was no time we they, the people, or, you know, wrote a constitution. So that clearly means that whatever constitution they have now is not a constitution. But if, for example, because I always refer to India. India, now more populous than China. India is the largest democracy in the world. It's also a volatile democracy. But there's never been a record of a coup in uh-huh. India. You understand? You know, and you can see what the Indian immigrants are doing. India's in diaspora. I think Canada now has a Secretary of Defense in India. UK has an Indian Prime Minister. You know, hopefully, we won't mind if you become Governor of Georgia one day. You know, that kind <laughs> of thing. I mean, it's not impossible. But my point is, don't you think that maybe, I mean, there's a big maybe that if, when the colonialists were sharing or if they had done it along tribal lines. I mean, the problem would be in Nigeria, the Igbos would be in one place, the Yorubas would be together. Because if you look at the northern part of most West African countries, looking from Cameroon, which is on the eastern border of Nigeria, all the way to the west, every northern part of those countries are Islamic. Northern Benin Republic, Northern Togo, Northern Ghana, Northern Ivory Coast. So the question really is, Does colonialism has a role to play in this? Because it does look like, if that answer is yes, and I'll give you as much time you want to elaborate, that means that we're not meant to work in the first instance. Do you understand? A quick (laughs) digression. Rwanda, majority Hutu, minority Tutsi. Burundi is majority Tutsi, minority Hutu. At independence, the Belgians gave the power to the minority in those two countries. And we also saw what happened, genocide. You know, almost one million people Killed by machetes in three months. So, do you think colonialism has a lot of role to play in this distrust and this ethnic disorganization that we have? Short answer is maybe.
1: A long answer is this. Yes, there wouldn't have been Nigeria if the colonial masses drew the lines well or correctly. But then it would have been so cut into pieces that some pieces may be not quite uh, viable. I mean don't look at just uh, Igbo, Yoruba housing. there are, I think over 300 different groups in Nigeria. so where do, st- where do you stop where do you stop okay where do you stop the line? are you going to cover out five people into one country? And then the other country will be just two people, while the Eva and the Yoruba will be millions of people. You know? So the thing is there have been countries where they have different languages, different religions, they have coexisted together. You mentioned one, India. Yes. Right? India. And is by any measure much larger than Nigeria. Yes, they have their internal strifes, but it has never stopped them from moving forward. They have Muslims in India. They have Hindus in India. Even among the Muslims, they have the Sikhs. They they have never stopped moving forward.
0: They have Christians. (laughs) Uh, uh, That's a given. I'm just saying
1: and just <laughs> gave a few examples, okay? So, but they have never stopped because they have not laid as much emphasis on those factors as we Um, So that's the problem. Uh, w- w- it's where you laid the emphasis, okay? Because the colonial masses did not write our current constitution. The people who regarded themselves as the people and you, you see, you think that statement with the people is wrong. Hmm. Think again. Because the people who wrote it believe that they are the people. So you may see it as erroneous, and they are saying, that's it, we get it right. Because those military people and uh, they were all of the northern extraction. They did that, the constitution, and in their mind, they believe that they are the people. So when you hear we the people, believe it or not, they claim that. So it's open to different interpretations. And that is why the National Assembly is such that whatever bill the NOT wants to pass must pass. Simple, right? So the colonial masters did not write that constitution at all. Listen, I even wasted six months when I was a delegate to the 2014 National Conference, National Confab. I said I wasted it because that conference produced the best resolutions for Nigeria. Nigerians were so happy. There, I mean, people were greeting us on the streets. Some people were even giving us money. That was how happy Nigerians were with the resolutions we passed for Nigeria. But did they even see the light of day? Was it not put in the dustbin? And meantime, this is something I left my family and my business and went to Nigeria for six full months. Next time you would expect me to respond to such a call again. So that's Nigeria for you.
0: <laughs> well, well, well. <laughs> Once a patriot, always a patriot. But you see, I one of the reasons why I reference India, you know, is that Nigeria is a commonwealth country. I mean, because we uh-huh. were colonized like by Britain. And from my own research and study, I did find out that there are about three countries that have some similarities with Nigeria. Who today mm-hmm. have been broken into one, in some cases, three countries. Mm-hmm. You know, the India reference.
1: India being one. India. Yeah,
0: India being one. Yes, being mm-hmm. one. Yeah. From India, Pakistan broke out. Then subsequently, Bangladesh. Bangladesh, you know? yes. 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 So, what you call uh, Malay. And, and, and
1: hold on, hold on. There's another agitation by the Sikhs mm-hmm. to have their own. Country, out of India. That's that's happening now. So maybe who knows? India who might
0: knows? Break, break again. Okay, uh, it's a large country, largest population in the world. And uh, what the amazing thing about India is that despite the volatility, there's no record of any coup in India. Even when yeah. Rajiv Gandhi, I mean Indira Gandhi, was assassinated, subsequently when the son came in, he was also assassinated. So after India, what you we used to call Malay. Which later became Malaysia and Singapore, another mm-hmm. Commonwealth example. Then we move closer to Africa. We have Sudan, mm-hmm. which is north and south now. You know, so mm-hmm. I mean, it does look to me that well, one out of every four sub-Saharan African is in Nigeria. You know, and maybe even if we don't break, if we have a confederal structure like we had immediately yep. after post independence I, I don't you think that will all go well. Because the rivalry will be healthy. Remember when I think I will always started UI, and mm-hmm. uh, Zip started, or is it Michael Parra started, mm-hmm. uh, Osuka, Amadi Belo, mm-hmm. the, the school in Zaria, the in Zaria, right. right. the TV followed suit, and all that. Do, don't you think now we have six sub regions, you know, south, south, southeast, southwest, and all that? Don't you think if those six sub regions can be run at confederal level? Because it does look like the power at the center is too much. or but that how, was, good, how do you think we can actually get out of all this morass? Let me just put it that way.
1: That was our recommendation from the national conference that I just cited a minute ago. We ask that we go back to religions mm. like we used to have. But guess what? That was even a challenge. <laughs> because wow. I'll give you an example in the Southwest, the Lagos delegation was adamantly opposed to having regions. They would rather have states be the confederate units. All right? And from the southeast, the Ebony state delegation was adamantly opposed to having six regions. And I believe it was Chief Olufai that said, I guess we shouldn't fight for regions anymore because there's no point in fighting for it and getting it and then going back and having civil wars in those regions. So you get what I'm saying, you know? Some people do not want to go back to what worked. In my opinion, that's what was best for Nigeria. Now, what we came up with was, okay, Let's go back to having states be the federating units and devolving power from the center to those states. That was what we recommended. That was the best we could do given the internal splits we had right then. But having regions and having every region contribute to the center reverses Nigeria from being an orphan country. The country with father and mother because we will now be feeding the center and the center at that point will hold right now the center cannot hold that's it and i'm paraphrasing
0: chino achebe <laughs> things fall apart the center cannot hold yes uh i i like the book too i read it every now and then but I mean it's clear that whatever we're doing now cannot be sustained where as of the last time i checked we're using about 95 percent of all incomes and i repeat all income servicing just depths you know we're the only oil producing country in the world that does not have a functional refinery and in the last eight years we've been expending almost a billion dollars annually on turnaround maintenance. I mean, if we do the arithmetics, it's just unbelievable, you know. And exchange rate now, I'm sure you don't even want to talk about it. It's It's gone out of hand. So power, we don't have. Education, upside down. Health, non-existent. Security is just on paper. You know, nothing seems to be working. Election, we can organize properly. You understand. Don't you think Nigeria is almost fitting the toga of a failed state? Well, I have to go easy on my people. But going
1: easy means telling the truth. Nigeria has gotten most things wrong. And until we realize that we should be asking questions about our candidates running for office, just like I was asked questions tons of times when I was running for this office, and we should stop taking the rice and the onions when they come to see us. Because what I don't understand is how you're going to accept those gifts and also get paid to go vote. And then you're going to come and question what they have done. You've lost your right once you have taken that money. Because don't forget, If you invest your money into something, you expect a return on investment. So we also need to do our part by saying no to them. Nigeria is so corrupt that even if you report any of those people to the police, nothing happens. But here, if I bring that rice and you take it, me that brought it, I'm going to jail. And you that took it, you're going to jail too. Wow. But Nigeria, Nigeria have no laws. We have statements on paper. A law is an enforced statement. In Nigeria, we enforce nothing. And we still say we have laws. Okay. It's, it's just like you see on Nigeria roads, there are speed limits posted. And <laughs> <laughs> people are clearing their speedometers. Have you ever seen anybody stopped on the road because he or she was speeding? That there are speed limits posted. So it's not like Nigeria, we don't have laws, we have statements that are not enforced. Until we enforce them, we convert them to laws. All right? So first thing we must do, because it's not about politicians alone, the masses also have a responsibility to helping Nigeria get a right. They have a responsibility. They can refuse that 5,000 or 3,000 or 2,000 before you get home is gone. But you have sold your right. And those politicians know it, they know it. So first, the masses have to help to get Nigeria straightened up by voting for the candidates they believe will best serve, best serve. may not be the best qualified, but best serve the country, right? And then just like here, I hold town hall meetings every quarter to brief my constituency on what I have been doing. And they get to ask questions and I get to answer their questions. I just had one on the 18th of this month. The next one is coming up on January 24th. So every quarter I have to sit and ask questions and answer to them and also tell them what my plans are and get some other people to also tell them what's going on in the district. Okay. Which of the Nigerian politicians do that? Nigerians can demand. See, I think we were under military rule for so long that we forgot how to be under civilian rule. We still think we are under military rule. The Nigerian presidents, we don't have civilian presidents. By their actions, they are mini gods, which is what the military heads of state really are. By their actions, they are mini gods. You can't Come up and start threatening people and saying this and saying that. You are actually the servant. One thing you know in this country is when you're elected, you are serving. The people who voted for you are actually your bosses. Each one of them is your boss. In Nigeria, it is the other way around. People vote for you and you lord over them. And That's it.
0: I like that. You said you go easy on your people, so you didn't really answer my question, but about whether oh. it's a failed state or not. Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. Well, it's trending toward that.
0: Mm.
1: And it's gotten to where it will be a free fall mm. sooner than later, if we don't start
0: changing things around. That's what I think. I agree with you. That's our opinion, too. It, if nothing drastic is not done in the immediate, it's already spiraling out of order, actually. So we're still on Atlanta discourse. We're talking to Gabe Okoye. He's a state legislator in the state of Georgia, United States. He's an American Nigerian. He's a civil engineer. He's a patriotic man. He's seeing it as it is. And that's all we do here. Because you know, at Atlanta Discourse we embrace all facets of humanity to disseminate positive news in a world filled with a lot of bad news. We just say it the way it is. We give a voice to the unheard. We balance the information equation. We search and discuss the facts wherever it leads. We try and combine the best of the human race, you know, to get the best out of mankind. We serve as a bridge between the developing and the developed world. And we discuss IT, politics, faith-based issues. We just don't shy away from the fact. It doesn't matter what the topic is. So we still have Gabe here. He's a busy man, I know. We just squeezed some time off him. So we still have one or two questions. Because what I want to ask you that in all this ensuing Mili, Nigeria this, Nigeria that, do you think, despite all the aberration, bad constitution, bad this, bad that, do you think if we have very good leadership, solid good leadership, because... From the example you've given, people don't obey traffic light, people don't obey speed limit, people are corrupt. If we have a leader that actually exemplifies what a society should be, do you think that would make a difference? That's one. Because I have to put the second one, one B, which is that it is difficult for that kind of person to actually become president. I know because the cost of running primaries and all that Nigerian politics is expensive. But my question is. If for one reason or the other we actually get a good leader, do you think it will change all of this?
1: Yes, and I will
0: tell you why.
1: And to me, it's actually simple. It's actually easy to do that. You have to look at the characteristics of the people. Most Nigerians are actually cowards. But if you look at their bravado, you would not believe it. And here's <laughs> what I mean by it will be easy. See, all this time you've been hearing about corruption, corruption, corruption in Nigeria. How many of those people hear that these many millions of dollars were found in this person's home or that this person embezzled the pension money for a group? but well, What you never hear is that any of those people went to prison for it. I will stand here and tell you that all it takes is the courage to put one or two such persons in prison and everybody will sit up. And all it would take is to catch Engineer Balogo driving 200 kilometers per hour on the roads of Nigeria and put him in jail for three days and make sure
0: that (laughs) everybody... (laughs) (laughs) It's not a good example.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh god. But you know what I'm talking about. I know, Uh, I know. Just just to put somebody in jail for breaking the rules. I'll put one of the politicians campaigning in jail for bringing those bags of rice and onions and stuff. Like I told you here, I'll go to prison if I did that. Right. So, all the races is is make an example. Do you want to tell me that those people who lived during Idiabo, and I mentioned Idiabo specifically, there was somebody was the head of state, but that person was a non-factor. Even most people didn't know Idiabo wasn't the head of state, right? People were afraid to do certain things they were not supposed to do because you paid. The consequence. You paid the price for doing what you're not supposed to do. I'm not saying we should be military and civilian, but all I'm saying is that it's simple. Put even this bribery that is being done over the table, covertly, I mean uh, overtly in Nigeria today. Bribes is, you know, bribes are nothing. I mean, Even police will be there and you'll be discussing how much the bribe will be. And the police will say, "Uh, give me my own car to, you know. So all I'm saying is you make an example of a few people and use the media to publicize what has been done. Everybody will take notice. Be on their best behavior. The reason why we are on our best behavior in this country is because we see the results. We misbehave and you, you're heading to the slamas.
0: Oh, very true.
1: That's okay. all. If this country was such that they don't prosecute crimes, with all these guns you see floating around everywhere, it will be an okay corral. We'll be shooting at each other for no good reason. It's happening now, but you know, it would have been worse.
0: That's all. Question. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Leadership matters. If, if the Nigerian leader doesn't take bribe, if he's not giving contract to his children or family, nobody else will do it. I agree with you. Absolutely. I agree with you. That's just a fantastic example. But one or two more questions. The next two questions are just about diaspora and so and what our government and diaspora can work together. But the first one is really that I've seen a lot of people leave america europe and go back and take part in politics some got elected come, some got appointed you know that kind of thing and like you rightly said that when they develop all well, the behave well when they get back home you know it does look like some of those diaspora when they even go home they're worse than people that are domicile back at home is it an agenda is just inherently dishonest or that because if everybody else thinks that the diaspora contingent can rectify the problem of Nigeria or any other countries in the world. Do you think with how well Nigerians are doing all over the world individually, do you think if, for example, because those that have gone home have not fared better, you know, we have some very good ones, there's no doubt, but the percentage is very, very negligible. So should Nigeria as a country actually have hope in Ah, diaspora continue rectifying the situation. Technologically, the expertise are there. Medically, it doesn't matter what profession. But those that have gone home, that we are saying, at least ninety percent of them do feel better than people that are home. So, yeah. why is that?
1: First of all, you must know that human nature is the same everywhere. It's laws that checkmate their rascality. Hmm. That's number one. All right. When somebody is here, like I said before. We behave and toe the line. Because you know, once you go out of order, you are paying the price for it. Simple. So they live here, and they go to Nigeria. And it's a country that is lawless. What do you expect? (laughs) Sadly so. Sadly so. I know that from Canumbra, the governor that has been the worst. Was one that was here for some time, mm. and Peter is cited as an as a very good governor. Chrisingige, cited as a very good governor. Which of them schooled here? Mm. None. But the worst one. Uh, He's late, so I'm going to spell his name. He just died. Not you know long ago, the worst one was here. So what I'm saying, in effect, is human nature, whether in Nigeria or here, it's the same, really. But where you have the freedom to just do as you please and get away with it, and yeah, do as you please and get away with it, I mean, look at Nigeria today, kidnappings, And everything. And people pay ransom. And they kidnap the next person. And the police never finds them. Why do you think it's going to stop? But here, of course, sometimes when you kidnap, nobody pays you any ransom. You know? If you feed that person for long enough, you get out of here. (laughs) You know? Before the police finds you. Because the police are going to find you, you know? But I think Nigerians have deliberately kept it that way because the criminals that control what happens in Nigeria will be out of business once somebody who means wealth for the country is elected to the presidency of that country. Mm -hmm. So they they will make sure that such a person
0: doesn't get elected. So let me ask you this now: What are the core areas the Nigerian diaspora contingent can uh, work positively with any government of the day in Nigeria, despite all these lacunas, aberrations, shortcomings? You know, I mean, there have to be synergy. It doesn't matter even if it's a military government. What are the areas that, let's say, NIDO, for example, can you know? I know you're a member; you're one of the pioneers and all that, but let me use diaspora, but I have to put Nido, you know, how yeah. can they work government of today, yesterday, day before yesterday, and government of the future? Because these problems are not going to go away in five, 10 years for more education, and they have to be it's, synergy. And you have to benefit it's, from this diaspora. So how, what are the core areas that that synergy can take place?
1: You see, I want to give credit to the Nigerian diaspora. We are great. And Nigeria is lucky. Because Nigeria has a diaspora community that is interested in what's going on in that country, that is interested in helping the country. That's not the same for every country. Many countries come here their diaspora citizens here don't even want to know what's going on back home. They get here, they turn their backs. But hey, those of us in Nigeria, are always interested in the well being of the country. And I give them credit for the billions of dollars they're sent to Nigeria every year. When I was NADO chair, it was around 22 to 25 billion that are sent to Nigeria every year. Wow! Well, in my language, we say that if the lizard falls from the top of the Iroquois tree, And looks left, looks right. Nobody is saying, well done. He will nod his head and tell himself, well done, and keep moving. So I'm telling my fellow DAS parents, well done. We have been doing well. We have been doing great things for Nigeria. Here's the problem, though. Does Nigeria actually want us to help?
0: That's a good question.
1: (laughs) You see? Does Nigeria actually want us to help? Because you can't help somebody who doesn't want you to help. You can't effectively help them. You may try to, but you can't effectively help them. It takes two to tango. You know, I even went to Nigeria to the Senate. I made a presentation about diaspora voting. That was in 2012, right? They listened to me. And after that, what happened? Trashed it. Do we have diaspora voting till date? No. But well, we have been fighting for it all this while. We fought for Nigerian diaspora commission. They granted it and then immediately Nigerianized it. What do I mean? I mean, uh, she's a great lady. Abika Dabri is the um, chair. Vasi Sule is the secretary. Who are the board members? Are the board members, right? And I say it was Nigerianized because leadership makes a difference. In my opinion, the person to lead such a commission should be somebody from the diaspora, somebody who lived the experiences. And the officers, for the most part, should be drawn from the diaspora. In the board, yes. You bring in some Nigerians that are domiciled at home and some that are from diaspora. So we can have a mixture of ideas and synthesize from there the best approaches, all right? So, but in an effort to limit our participation in the government, even that commission could not even be ceded to the diasporas to manage. I don't know where it is, but if you ask me, it appears that they are afraid of something. I don't know what it is they are afraid of, from the diaspora. Okay? We want to help. But here's the problem. You mentioned some countries before, Singapore, Malaysia inclusive, India, China. These countries were poor countries before not too long ago. China was a very poor country. It took the involvement of their diaspora communities to get them to where they are today. If Nigeria really wants to spring forward, they need to get the diaspora involved. Now, that's one end of this discussion. The other part is the masses themselves. Nigerians in diaspora have, many of uh, us, have tried to establish businesses in Nigeria. Let me make a blanket statement. If Nigerians were honest people, there will be no unemployed youth in Nigeria today. Because those of us in the diaspora would each would have started small businesses here and there and grow it to medium and mega-sized businesses. But once you try that, they will dupe every penny out of you. And you will even have to mortgage whatever house you have back there to come back here and start all over again. The Indian culture, they will take care of that business for you if you establish one in their country. I have so many Indian friends. Now, we have a lot of Indi- a very vibrant Indian community here in Gunei And do you even know? That's why you cannot find an Indian by the street corner begging for food. They will come together and help you establish a business once you come here. They have many businesses. And the Koreans do the same. They have many businesses. I want us to copy them and do the same. But I want the people at home to know that if you... Embezzle this person's money. It's money that comes easy. It always goes easy. Tomorrow you'll be hungry again, and you're not going to find that business to dupe again. You're going to go back into the line of the unemployed. I I speak also from personal experience, and most of us will have that kind of experience. If only those young kids... And generally, the people at home will manage businesses that our diaspora people have started at home, because you many times you started, you are still living here because you want to make both ends successful. But when you don't get support from those people, the business goes down. That wow. is unemployment. So it takes, like I always say, it takes two to tango. The people at home need to help their own game. And then, you know, because we can help in every aspect of the economy. Those of us in diaspora can do that. But the Nigerian government has never sat down to say, how do we work together to make this happen? Okay. For instance, if you really want to do business in Nigeria, you're going to worry about how you get power. How you get water? Must you sink a borehole? I mean, how you get the infrastructure that you need to be successful? Now, the government, if they listen, can decide to have simple substations in certain zones and say, okay, come here, build your business here. We'll make sure you're guaranteed 24-hour power supply. Then they replicate such Zonal infrastructure in many different areas. When I say zones, not a big area, not a big area, a small area that will cite many industries. And they make sure to keep our supply uh, going 24-7. Because they have a responsibility. If you're going to spend all the money buying fuel for your diesel, your products will be unaffordable in Nigeria's mm-hmm. economy today.
0: That's it. Thank you so much. You've spoken so well. We have to release you. But I'm not going to let you go without asking you this question about the last election in Nigeria. I mean, there's been a lot of hues and cry. Over 3 billion voted for technology this, forged certificates. You know, a lot of facts are out there that are disputed and all that. So I'm not going to put it to you like a question. What's your general overview of everything that's transpired? considering all the stigma that comes with the current president and uh, what it potential for Nigeria going into the future? Well, when I heard
1: about the transmission problem
0: for the presidential
1: results, and it's still the same system that they used for the senatorial election results. Right there, I know Nigeria is up to the game. They know how best to play right there. I knew how it was going to go. Because, I mean, the elections were not held on different dates. and then, then, You know what I mean? I mean, this system, how can it work for one at the same time not working for the other? Okay? But, like I told you, a, a cabal holds down Nigeria, really. That's what I think. And If you go there making sense, you are disqualified. Period. By making sense, you are disqualified. Mm -hmm. I know when I um, attempted a governorship run in Nanambra State, I told them I don't even want to be paid salary. I just want to work. That was even used against me. (laughs) Oh, man, this one is going to embezzle out the money. I mean, he doesn't want to be paid salary. How does he want to leave? Well, that's how money is just going to. T- I mean, I guess you have to be crooked in Nigeria to be president. I think that's all. Um, you can be president by uh, luck, just like good luck was president by luck. He came in from vice to president. And you know in Nigeria, no vice has ever been president except by luck. He's the only one who was vice. And believe me, if Yadra, bless his soul, hadn't died, Jonathan wouldn't have been president if he ran after Yadwa. Because we do not have that culture of vice presidents rising to be president. If I'm wrong, tell me which one I have. So, Nigeria, what... I hate in Nigeria is the brazen nature with which they do the wrong things. They do it with so much, I mean-
0: Impunity.
1: (laughs) Impunity. They do it with so much impunity. That is what I hate about Nigeria. The system, okay? I mean, listen. I saw the first ruling. Is that the appeals court or whatever that court was? Uh, And and then the justices were actually defending the defendant. (laughs) I'm like, no, you guys are supposed to just, whether whether right or wrong, you should just read your finding, your verdict. That's all. That's what. And I've never seen that where a judge will be defending a defendant, but anyway,
0: only in Nigeria, and I'll leave it at that. Thank you so much. All right, Thank you, thank you, Gebu Koye. Thank you, your guest yeah. uh, extraordinaire. Thank you so much for your time. This Atlantic discourse is going to be a wrap there. To recap, well, Nigerians in diaspora are ready to work with Nigerians at home. I think the first step is to compose the nightclub board, and you know it shouldn't be a monopoly or a sole administratorship. I think we've had almost four or three guests tell us that. NIDO has about eight people quota on that. But feel really it doesn't matter. Pick whoever you want to pick. It doesn't matter, you know, that kind of thing. We have to be united. It's not a difficult thing also, if we mean well. If we are as patriotic, as we say we are, we should learn to put square peg in square holes. Yeah, that's true. And good leadership clearly can change things. One of the things India has going for it is that Everything started from Mahatma Gandhi. We, we lived a very Spartan life. No convoy, no opulence, no overeating, no potbelly, you know. You can see a trickle-down effect in that country till today, you know. Mm-hmm. We have had good leaders, they are all the their ZQAs, but we mm-hmm. have not leveraged on it. And it's fair to say the coups of 66, both January and the June, July 1, messed up everything. Now also, we also agree that we cannot continue to blame everything on colonialism. We have the requisite manpower that can hit the deliverable. Nigeria is really sick. Yeah, it is sick. We are battered almost beyond repair. And I say that almost with a 98% almost. It's really, really, really bad the exchange rate now, I'm sure from the time we started this uh, discussion to now, Mm it will have gotten worse again. And I remember when I used to laugh at the Zimbabwean dollar under Mugabe to imagine that currency has more value today. All the bricklayers that come from Togo and Benin Republic to work in Nigeria to make more money, they are all going back home because (laughs) the sepa, the West African sepa, now has more value than Nigeria. If there's anybody anywhere that thinks things are normal, you must really be joking. This this is really a very dire time for us. We have to all work together one way or the other. One of the key ways is to put the best foot forward. Put the right people forward. It doesn't matter what religion, what ethnic base, one well, problem we are suffering from really is that quota system. You know, if the very best of Nigeria at any point in time, if we need 10 good people and all of them are from good state, let's push them forward. If the we need 25 people and all of them are from Katsina or Kebi, let's use them. Let's not just hide under the guys of "is my brother, is my you know. We're really behind schedule. And for the nation that is the largest concentration of black people in the world we have been a very big disappointment. Only God knows if we can come out of the ensuing But it is Nigeria. We've been there. We've all been close for a very long time. We're close in 66, 67, after the Civil War, 79, 83, and during June 12. It's always as if everything is. But this time around, it does look like we've exhausted everything. We need magic right now, and, uh, and that's all. So Gabe, Gabe Okoye, thank you for coming. I'm sure we'll call you in the future like we always do. Thank you for your time. You're welcome, and thank you for having me. All right, right. it's a wrap then. Thank you, our guest. We'll be coming back again with another wonderful topic. It's been a wonderful day, bye.